0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Well, this is our Developing a Forerunner Culture course. This is session 11. What we've been doing in this course is we've really been talking about the the DNA that the Lord uh, got into the foundation of this ministry early on, and, uh, and then what that looked like as it kind of got uh, fleshed out and developed over time, that caused us to get to year 17 thinking the way that we do, <clears throat> making decisions the way that we do. The values that we have, the way that we live our life together in the Spirit, it was interesting, uh, this past week I was uh, <clears throat> with some friends in, uh, out of town and uh, other house of bird directors, and we were talking about uh, this series because they were asking me you know, what I was teaching on these days. And, and I was trying to explain, really, these are values that we have. They're, they're, they're genetics of who we are far more than the top 10 messages or top 14 messages. I, I you know, A couple of them are messages, but it's really more the value system <clears throat> that was being created and, and that uh, groundwork laid in those early years that then have caused us to grow up uh, into this. So it's like if the soil has a certain type of you know, nutrient richness to it and you know, access to water and all that, well then you can kind of already get a trajectory for what kind of tree is going to grow up there. And so that's really what we've been doing uh, in this course. We've been talking about those, uh, those principles, those concepts, those messages to a lesser degree. that really formed us. And so tonight, session 11 is entitled, Those Charged to Build His House. Now, I'll just give you a little preview, a little snippet, and I don't honestly know how much of the notes we're going to cover, because this is like 11 pages. We won't cover all that. But give you a little uh, snapshot here. There's a significant difference in, in my mind, and really what we're going to be doing tonight, between... A Bible study about the house of prayer, and what I'm trying to convey tonight is we felt the charge from heaven to build the house of prayer, of which the Bible says a lot, so we, the Bible was an excellent primary source of study and information, but I'm, no, I'm mostly after tonight the revelation we were charged by God r- rather than a teaching on the house of prayer. And so there'll be some Bible verses about the house of prayer, but that's, that's really not my focus. I want us to, to recognize this, uh, or, or to, to hear and to kind of process this ministry commissioned by the Holy Spirit to do something unique. So uh, we had this revelation in 2005, and it, it changed us. It struck us. And here was the revelation. This is just a really powerful thing when the revelation touches your heart. This group of people was chosen by the Lord to build the house of prayer. That is, a, that is a profound revelation. Many of you, in the course of your personal lives in the Lord, you've probably had some moments where you felt the Lord communicating to you and maybe even a strong charge to do something or not do something. What I'm telling you happened in our midst in 2005 and six and 2007 was as a corporate group, we were getting struck. It was like God was talking to us directly. I mean, we were reading Bible verses, but it's like those Bible verses were coming alive and he was communicating straight to us a commission for 2005, not a commission only that we read about in the Bible and in ancient times. We were getting a charge from heaven that this little group of people, you exist together to build my house of prayer. And that's just a, it it was shocking. I I want you to kind of picture yourself back then, and this is more just for nostalgia's sake. I want you to picture yourself in a room, in my living room, there was just like, you know, 10, 15 of us. And for us as a group of 20-year-olds that didn't know anything, you know, no education, didn't know nothing, didn't have any real jobs, were, you know, in school, some of them. And for this group of people to be feeling a commission from heaven that we were hyper-legitimate to God. That what we were doing mattered massively. Like, mattered as big as a megachurch or bigger. I mean, in, in his mind, what we were doing was of utmost importance, and we felt it. And so, the reason that this matters is because this is part of the reason that in 17 years, we've never missed a prayer meeting. That is a very unusual reality. I I don't know many places that can say such a thing because we weren't doing it to be a house of prayer because that's what we thought we were supposed to do. We were doing it because we were commissioned by the Lord to keep the fire on the altar and we felt it. So therefore that impacted how sacrificial were we willing to be. It wasn't, oh, we got to do the ministry thing. It's, We must keep his fire on his altar at all costs. I've shared this story before, but I'm, I'm trying to help you understand the genetics that got into the water here. Two people were not allowed to come to Amy and Mai's wedding because our wedding was in the evening during one of our prayer meetings. Two people were fired from our wedding. They were required to be back in the living room doing a prayer meeting because we don't miss prayer meetings because the Lord commissioned us. So I'm telling you, this... That's the kind of, like, crazy sacrificial... And honestly, the two people were like, absolutely. Yes. I mean, there was no argument. It wasn't like, you got to do this or you're in trouble. It was like, I was like, would you be the ones? And they were like, absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of commitment. That's the kind of thought process. But how did we get there? We didn't get there because we read a few Bible verses. We got there by a divine commissioning that we felt from heaven. And when you've got that sort of backing that's pushing you forward, you can live different. You can live sacrificial. You can lay it down. You can go all in. And, and that's what was happening in this uh, community. And it's, I mean, that's, that's the backstory. So when the Lord told me to start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back, that's how we started this. It was that commissioning, that word. What we came to understand really was what was going on in that statement was just the beginning, wasn't the end, it was just the start, you could even liken it to lay the foundation of the temple. When the Lord said, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back, at, when we heard it at first, all that meant to us was a daily prayer meeting. But what the Lord was actually communicating is, I'll tell you the rest of the story later, What you're really doing right now is you're laying the foundation on which everything else will be built, and there will be a whole lot of everything else in time. So, you know, that's just for our story, that start a daily prayer meeting word really was the Lord's commissioning to lay the foundation of a temple uh, here in Arlington. A people uniquely charged, part B here in the notes, There's a difference between revelation and information. You can get revelation out of information, but if you just have information that doesn't necessarily connect to the heart and to the mind, we were getting a revelation that this was God's will for us. It was was striking us. There are some things that that you can be taught, but then there's some things that you can grow in a conviction of. And this was more than teachings. This, I remember a season of time where the teachings, I was expecting, because of the way that the Spirit of the Lord was moving, I was expecting when I taught on the house of prayer for conviction to come through the message and touch hearts. I was expecting the conviction. So I wasn't teaching to teach. I was teaching because I knew that the Lord was on it and would bring conviction that I don't mean conviction of sin. I mean deep inner conviction of what is what is right and good and what is true and what we should be about. Just things that are working deep within. And it was happening on a regular basis when we teach on the house of prayer. Uh, all the different internships and the, we'd reteach the same messages over and over, and it would strike the hearts in a very similar way. People getting struck with this is this is what I need to do. I mean, there was something happening. And so I just I wrote this line that I'll read because I can say it better or read it better than I can say it. We felt charged to do it, the, it is build the house of prayer. It wasn't people who were part of a ministry. It was a group of people that had been charged by God to do something important for him. It was, that's, that's different. I, I appreciate ministry. I appreciate social clubs. I appreciate ministries that operate like a social club, where there's people around, they love each other, and they're doing something cool. I appreciate that. This was so much deeper. This was a people on a mission from God. That's how we started. Now, that actually maybe helps, I hope, make sense of why when a visitor walks in the room, we want our usher to go up and engage them instantly to start building a relationship. Why would we treat every individual that comes in that seriously? Why would we do that? Because we believe we together are on a mission together. It maybe makes sense why Caitlin, like a broken record player, every Saturday night says, join a prayer meeting. Why? Because we're on a mission. It's not enough that you come around. That's We're not a come around ministry. We're a build together ministry. We're a people on mission by divine commissioning, by the Lord's commissioning. That's so the little things that we do today that are all still you know, are expressions, you can maybe see a little bit of the picture of why, because we didn't just get this commission. We didn't grow up into this calling. We got it early, and, and, and then we've been walking it out, but we got it early. Oh my goodness, we are a people in Arlington that need to take building the house of prayer seriously, more seriously than our own lives. We need to take this seriously because it's God's plan for Arlington. And when we got that and that gripped us, that had powerful impact. What we didn't realize initially, we started to understand the biblical language of it some you know, months and years in, was that the Lord was forging a modern-day priesthood. But we started to come to that understanding in you know, some short period of time that what the Lord was doing was he was establishing a priesthood in it. It looks different than what we've ever known, specifically in any sort of a Catholic concept. It looks different than what we have uh, see in the Bible in the Old Testament related to the animal sacrifices, because we don't do that anymore. But nonetheless, a real, important, powerful priesthood that would just look like a bunch of Americans in 2023 doing it, and back in the day, 20, you know, 205. So it's like, it's a different uh, expression because of our culture and the day and age that we live in, but the mindset's very similar. The objective is the same. And we started to have a revelation, God wants a priesthood in Arlington. That That is a really profound idea when it strikes you. God wants it. God wants a priesthood in Arlington, and we are that priesthood. Wow. And that's what was striking us. Well, I gave you a couple verses on priesthood there, part D. I'm going to go on to part, uh, Roman numeral two, page two. God wants something. We were uh, on a journey that the Lord was so kind to be fueling us from all different sorts of sources. We were building relationships up at IHOP Kansas City. We had other ministers that were in the prayer movement coming through town with some measure of regularity and, and speaking into us. know, um, we were going on a journey ourselves about studying the priesthood and studying the house of prayer and, and studying the prayer movement, all these different things. And so we were getting kind of a steady... Uh, intake of fuel about this subject but one of the things that struck us hard was God wants something God doesn't have God was wanting something and this idea that if God wants it I want to give it to him And and if it's a corporate thing that he wants that I can't give him then we want to give it to him. And this was the we thing. This was, the, this was a we give sort of reality that the Lord wanted his house of prayer built in Arlington. And just that idea, the one that we love, we love God so much, and that there's something that he wanted that wasn't happening. Something he wanted established that, that wasn't in existence. And it's like our hearts were being we're being touched by the desires and the emotions and the affections of God, that God had something that He wanted, was burning in His heart. So I just tell you this Matthew 21 13, top of page two, just as a little uh, kind of, I don't know, anchor. This was God's idea, not man's idea. I mean, I think that there are plenty of cool things happening in the body of Christ right now that were uh, that were man's ideas or was a God idea but isn't in the Bible anywhere. And I believe that can happen. I mean, Lord probably invented all kinds of things that aren't in the Bible. I don't see pizza in there, but I'm confident he's the author of pizza, okay? I'm just confident, all right? So there's plenty of things that are man's ideas that are designed to honor God and I think a lot of those are probably great. And I think that there's those that the Lord even speaks that are like you know extra biblical, they're not in the Bible but they're still on his heart. I believe that there's there's plenty of room for that. But then there's some stuff that's in the Bible that God makes it clear in the Bible he's the author of the concept. He says it in the eternal word. And it's there forever for us to look at. Here's Matthew 21, 13. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Now this is Jesus quoting Isaiah 56. So Jesus quoting God, quoting, you know, the Old Testament. And he's saying in in Jesus's time, God still wants this. This is still something that God wants. It's still something that God does and God thinks about. God says, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you're doing something else that isn't the house of prayer. Quit that and start doing the house of prayer. He really wants the house of prayer set into place. I'm going to read you Haggai 1, 2 through 8. This was one of those passages that had profound impact on us as we discovered it, okay? Now, just real quick context the house of prayer is being uh, rebuilt in uh, Jerusalem after the exile. Okay, So the, the house of prayer, which is the temple, it's being rebuilt. And I, I just real quick, you need to retrain yourself. It's really important you retrain yourself. When you read the word temple, throw out everything you, thing you think you know about that and stop thinking what you think you know and think God's house of prayer because that's what the temple was. The temple wasn't mostly about the activities that were you know, either going on inside or outside. The, those activities were all focused on offering God night and day prayer and worship. That's what the temple was. So when Jesus in Matthew 21:13 says, my house will be called house of prayer, he's talking about the temple. And God's identifying the temple. He's going, this temple isn't to be a pretty structure. This temple isn't so that you can have your religious festivals around it. This temple is supposed to be my house of prayer, and you've made it something else. So whenever we read the word temple, anywhere in the scripture, I want to encourage you, in your mind, say God's house of prayer, because that's what's supposed to be conveyed. And Jesus is the one who says it here. This is what the Father says about the house. Now let's read Haggai 1, 2 through 8. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Here's what struck us the Lord in Jerusalem, in this time frame, in Haggai chapter one, the Lord was communicating, I want a house of prayer here in Jerusalem and there isn't one and you're not bothered by that and I'm upset that you're not bothered. What do you mean we're not bothered? You have all made your lives about building your life and not about building my house of prayer. He says, you have made your focus on your paneled, Houses and not on the great deficit of my house of prayer lack in the land. I don't have a house of prayer in the land, and you're all living your lives like that's okay. You're investing your time and your energy and your money to build your own homes and your own lives while my house is left unbuilt here in Jerusalem. And we got struck with this because we started to recognize God had commissioned us to build a house of prayer in Arlington. And so we could learn a lot about how God feels about houses of prayer, wherever they would be built, by looking at what was communicated in the places that they were built or not being built in the Bible. We came to this revelation, we need to give careful thought to our ways. We need to be a people that are sober about this. We need to start thinking about our lives and our time and our money differently. Because that was, the, that was the, uh, the problem here in Haggai 1. They had been given the charge to build the house of prayer, but they weren't building it. They were building their own lives. And the problem here, this is the difficulty, you can't build the house of prayer and your own life effectively. So what that means is, one of them will suffer. And God says, stop letting my house of prayer be the one that suffers. Instead, why don't you engage faith, which this is just such novel Christianity, but it's, my goodness, it strikes home when dealing with this house of prayer issue. And it's something that was, the Lord was dealing with all of us back in the living room days, and the Livermore days, and Pioneer Instead of making our life about our life and giving God a little extra on the side, let's make our life about building God's house of prayer because he wants one. And let's trust that God will see that sacrifice and do us right and take care of us instead of the opposite, because the opposite won't happen. God will not build his own house. He wants partnership. Now, When we partner, then the laborers don't labor in vain. But God won't just build a house without any human participation. He won't do it. So here he's saying, it's time for you to assess your life. The way that you're spending your time, your energy, your money, what are you doing with your influence? What are you doing with your thought life? Are you building my house of prayer? And if you are... Then there's a bunch of promises, and we'll look at a couple of them, that say the Lord will take care of you. He will actually help you. He will make up for the deficit because you can't both effectively build the house of prayer and build your own life. You will wind up giving just the leftovers to God and making the priority on your own life. But here's the rebuke when God says, I want a house of prayer in a city. He rebukes the ones that he's commissioned and he says, I want you to stop focusing on your own life and I want you to build my house of prayer that, look at this, that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. What what is better or bigger than God smiling? What is worth more in your life than God taking pleasure in something you did for God? Oh my gosh. But you got to recognize what's happening here. Go into the mountains and bring down timber. So let's, real quick. Hey, busy people who have jobs and lives and families, figure out how to make a significant sacrifice to put many things on the side so that you can all go up into the mountains, which none of you were prepared to do that, so you probably don't have the equipment, you don't have the training, you, don't have, you haven't even been working out, you're not even going to make the trip because you don't even know how to walk that far. You have not been preparing to do this because you've been building your own life. I want you to stop and figure out how you're all going to go up into the woods and cut down some massive trees, though none of you have any experience with felling trees. So don't die when they fall. Figure that out. Then I want you to bring those giant trees back here after you chop off all the branches. I want you to bring back the enormous logs. And just recognize any log you cut in half to make it easier is now less helpful to build my house of prayer. So I want you to bring back the really big ones. This is going to take so much work. It is Unthinkable. I mean, guys, it's really not that different than if I said tonight that we were gonna do the same thing. Like we were gonna everybody just figured out, oh, oh, by the way, we don't have any cars, we don't have any, any modern, you know, machinery, nothing. We're gonna walk to the piney woods and we're gonna cut down trees and we're gonna bring them back. It's probably gonna take us a few years here to even just get the supplies. A few years. How are we gonna feed our family? I'm not real sure. We're going to have to figure that out on the way because God said, stop focusing on our own house and build his house. Whoa, that is massive. Well, I just want to tell you, I am so proud of the crazy sacrifices that people made around here so that this house of here in 2023. It would not have been here had there not been some crazy sacrifices made. People going I'll join missionary staff. I'll stop seeking out my career plans, and I will become an intercessory missionary at the House of Prayer to build it. Whoa, are you serious? I'll change my entire financial budget for our house, for our, home, for our household income, and we're going to stop doing certain things that we've always done, and we have a right to do, We're going to not do those in order to give more money to the house of prayer so that the house of prayer has money to operate. Are you serious? I'm going to change up my schedule so that I go into work a little bit later so I can go to the prayer room every morning to help open the building seven days a week or five days a week. What? Flip side, I'll do the flip so that it's night that I close out every every night so that I'm helping lock up. I'll take a four-hour shift as a, as a section leader. I'll do this. I'll do it. The amount of sacrificial insanity that we have watched over the years that is required for this house to be where it's at today. We got here through blood, sweat, and tears. I am grateful for what we have right now because a visitor walks in, and they don't have to blood, sweat, or tear to be able to enjoy what's happening here. But I want to tell you the way we got here was Dirty. It was work. It was people making crazy sacrifices, not going on vacations for years in order to give the vacation money to build the house of prayer. Whoa! Crazy things. Sacrificial things because you can't build your own house and build the house of prayer effectively at the same time. You just It doesn't work that way. It, just, it, it takes significant effort. It takes time and buy-in. I'm so proud to have watched this happen. God says it's not just a, a temple. It's not just a, 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 a night and day worship prayer meeting. He says it's my house. Ownership. It's my house. Can you imagine? I mean, think about this. What's being communicated? You've been given the opportunity to build God a house. Like where he's going to stay on the weekends when he's in town. You have the opportunity to build his house. What could be a greater gift to give God than giving him his house, which he says, I really like my house. In fact, if you'll do this, I'll take pleasure in it. The pleasure is what we're supposed to feel. He says, I'll also be honored. The honor is what gets pronounced loudly and declared to the region. Because people look at it and go, those crazy people are doing night and day prayer and worship for Jesus. He must be valuable. He must be something. God says, I'll take pleasure in it, and you'll get to feel that pleasure as you build it. And God says, I'll feel that pleasure, and then my honor will increase in your region as a result of you building the house of prayer. This is profound. (laughs) He loves his house. If he loves it, we want to give it to him. And that started to hit us. That started to strike us. Verses like Psalm 42, we wrote this beautiful song. I wish we could figure out how to bring it back. We wrote this beautiful song back in the living room days out of Psalm 42 that was just just this anthem for us in that hour out of Psalm 42, 7. Just the mysteries of this. The way that the Lord was speaking to our hearts about a deep thing that he cared about. And as he communicated to us, he wanted his house built. Here's an invitation. Come build my house. As we were feeling that invitation, something deep within us was responding, yes, Lord, we will give this to you. Psalm 42, 7. I know it doesn't directly reference the house of prayer at all, but deep calling to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love at night his song is with me. Just the mysteries that are layered in this and the way that the Lord was communicating to us about the waves and the breakers, each new revelation striking our hearts about, oh, you do want the house of prayer. Oh, I'm building it. You're pleased with my building it. You're pleased with my sacrifice. All these things. And then the day by day the Lord is giving direction and And by night our songs are going up to him. That this reality of a day and night ministry was being birthed and born. There's just so much about it that the Lord was really speaking to us. And it was our joy to say yes because it was something that he cared about. And here's the part I want to focus on for a minute. It's something that he cares about. And it is a hyper rarity in the earth right now. I mean... When you just think about all the places that the people of God are, geographically and even by location in any city, you think about all the places that the people of God gather in Arlington, in Texas, the United States, the world, you think about all the places that the kingdom of God uh, is made manifest by believers being there. The concept of night and day prayer meetings focused on King Jesus, where a house has been built, a house of prayer that goes night and day, that is rare, rare, rare. And I know of a bunch of them. I mean, we've got a list of 500 in America that are trying to build at some level. But, I mean, how many cities and towns are there in America? Way more than 500 by a long shot. How many expressions of the body of Christ are there? A ton, which I'm grateful for. This is a rare thing, and God wants it to not be a rare thing. Part of the reason I'm so grateful for what we get to do when we go do these consulting trips every month is we're going out to one of these rare places, and we're putting fuel on the fire, and we're giving them strength to keep going and to do it bigger and brighter and more. And then the next month, we go to a different one. The next month, we go to a different one. Because the assignment is the exact same. The assignment to build God night and day prayer in Arlington, well, we feel that call because we're Arlingtonites. But when you live in a different city, it's the same call of God. And we get to go and help them to fulfill their purpose and destiny, to help build the house of prayer. It's it's a really powerful way that we get to partner with this. Let's talk about the cost of not building our own house. mentioned it a minute ago, what's being asked around here now is a much tamer ask than it was back in the early days. I mean, our most wholehearted rally cry today looks so much tamer and easier than what we were saying back in the living room days and the Livermore days. I mean, it it was just, it was a really normal thing for people to be living very abnormal. Uh, I mean, lots of people. And it's part of the reason was there was nobody to do it. There were so few. There was so little resource. And just as a little point of economics, if you have a bunch of people, you can get by without having a lot of money. If you have a lot of money, you can get by without having a lot of people. If you don't have people or money, you just better have grit. Because <laughs> if you don't have grit, you got nothing. And these people had grit. This people laid their lives down to build the house of prayer. And it was beautiful. It came at great cost. And I want to throw out this charge again and let you start to ask yourselves the question here in 2023 about the charge to spend yourself on building his house. To spend your life on seeing his house built and strengthened and multiplied. For you to take the same charge, because you don't have to have been here in the early days for the charge to count. You could be just as wild and just as all in in 2023 as we were back in the living room in 2005. It's a decision. It's the heart being charged and commissioned. What am I willing to do? And I'll just tell you, the needs today look different than the needs in the living room. The needs in the living room, let me just make it really, really clear. Our first worship leaders were were leading worship on a Casio keyboard that was as wide as this podium. That's pathetic. It was laughable and sad. It was a toy. And our worship leaders were legitimately leading worship on that. Davy Flowers was leading worship on a Casio keyboard that's two feet long. Okay? What were our needs? Someone, for the love of all good things, buy us a keyboard. Someone, like, don't eat. Get a second job. Save up money so we can buy a keyboard. That was the need. Well, now we've got a keyboard and we've got another awesome one upstairs. So the needs look different, but the need is still the same. The reality of people leaning in to build the house of prayer. I'm thinking about all the sets that we don't have an usher on. I'm thinking about those night watch sets that we want to hit. I'm thinking about our missionaries around here that are underfed, underpaid missionaries. That they are doing their best. They're giving their life to this and they're making peanuts for what they do. I mean, there are so many ways to actively throw yourself in to aggressively building the house of prayer. So it's not like you missed it. It's just now, actually now, the way that you can participate, is a lot more civilized looking than the Neanderthal caveman things that we needed done back in the day, okay? Laying down our life for Jesus' desire. I'd never seen this before in John 15. I'd never seen the way that there's a... There's a threefold uh, uh, invitation and commissioning to friendship in John uh, 15. I'd only seen it as a two-way thing. Look at this, John 15, 13 through 15. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. Now, we know this means Jesus dying on the cross. And we know it means Jesus asking us to, to die for one another, to lay down our lives for one another. What I never saw was how clearly it also is Jesus saying, I'm your friend, lay down your life for me. Now look what it says here. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. So he's talking about friendship. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Not I'm your friend. He says, you're my friend. He says, show me Friendship but he just got done telling us how we do it. Lay down your life for me. He says, this is how you express friendship to me. Find out what I care about, and as a friend, give it to me. Do whatever it takes, and don't give me the light version. Lay down your life for me. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. Now check that. The way that we express friendship to Jesus, we take what he has shown us from the Father and we apply it, we obey it, we throw our life into it. What did I tell you we were being shown by the Father in the early stages of this ministry? He wanted a house of prayer in Arlington. Oh my goodness, you have revealed to us, Lord, we're no longer just your servants because we know the master's business. The master wants a house of prayer in Arlington. We're now part of the master's business. Let's give it to him. This is actually the context. This, I mean, Jesus talking about friendship, it's not just him a friend to us and us a friend to one another. He's saying, be my friend. You do that by taking my kingdom principles, the things that I reveal to you, and you fighting for them to be a reality. I can't think of anything that would please the Lord more He says, I'll take pleasure in it. Build my house. Build my house. And if we can think of 10 things that please the Lord and build his house is the 11th, give him all 11. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to pick. My point is, I don't think we've ever processed our life and our decisions and the way that we spend our time and our energy and our schedules and our affections. I don't think we've ever processed through I want to show Jesus friendship and give him a desire of his heart. I want to build the house of prayer. He says, it's my house. Come build my house and I will take pleasure in it. We had to find joy in the sacrifice and that's really what it comes down to. If you're begrudged, in your sacrifice, you can't keep doing it. But if you can find joy, if you can actually see it and go, it's valuable to him. He takes pleasure. I don't know how many times I have thought the phrase in my mind when I came in for a 5 a.m. prayer meeting I didn't want to be at. I thought in my mind, you take pleasure in this. I'm building your house. How many times when it when the difficulty, we need to sign up, do an extra thing. There was a thing coming up. There was, I can't remember how many times I've thought about it and gone, you take pleasure in this. This is extremely valuable to you. This isn't about my burden, my sacrifice, what I'm giving up. I don't get to do the fun thing because I got to do the this thing. It's you are pleased with this. And I want to bring you pleasure. And I'm guaranteed to do it when I build this house. Guaranteed. In the process of this, this was the great experiment. And I want to recognize there are many in this ministry right now that are still somewhere in the middle of the experiment. But here's the experiment. We had to believe that if we did this and we gave ourselves to it, and it was costly, and costly meant we didn't have stuff, We didn't get to do stuff. And our life was looking less successful than our friend. We had to believe that the Bible was true. And I'll just give you one verse. Psalm 37, four through five. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. We had to believe that somehow... If we threw ourselves into building his house, he would, in fact, take care of us. Not just take care of us, but that our life wouldn't look like a mistake decades later. We had to believe these choices, they're sacrificial, they're costly, but we had to believe there's a God on the other side of the equation that promises to reward those who diligently seek him. We had to believe it, like... Like, God, we're going to do this, and if this doesn't work, you're going to have a house, and we're all going to die sad. Like, we had to believe that God is real, and he's the God of the Bible. And so I I want to share now a personal testimony with you because I believe this testimony is supposed to be part of our story because it's, it's part of the narrative that we've been walking out since 2005. 2005, when the Lord said, do this, I said, yes, as many did. And I said, Lord, I'm going to give everything I can to this. And I was definitely on the list of those doing crazy things and living crazy ways. And I said, I'm going to do this and this in our life and our finances and and Amy is in my marriage. And I, I just, I want you to think about this for a second. I have a split sleep schedule. Now, whether that's smart or not smart, it's the best I know how to do, okay? We have a split sleep, or I have a split sleep schedule. I want you to think about how massively inconvenient it is to my family that while they're awake, I'm taking a nap every day. That is massively inconvenient. That is, a, that is a real joy kill right there, that every day I'm sleeping while they're awake. Why? Well, because i got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning seven days a week, and I've been doing it for 17 years, and I have not cracked the nut yet on being able to get to bed at a reasonable hour and not just stare at the ceiling. So it's, it's, that's nonsense. That's a nonsense way to live. So there have been many things over the years where it's like, Lord, we're just going to do this with our money, with our time. We're going to do this because we're going to make this thing work. Well, I'm going to share this testimony because this was, I mean, one of the most powerful things, maybe the most powerful thing, at least in some category, that's ever happened to me. I mean, it was a really profound thing. I was pacing back and forth here in the prayer room in October of 2021. And I was, I don't remember what I was talking to the Lord about, All I know is out of nowhere, I heard the Lord start a dialogue with me that was as clear as day and was profound in its impact. He said, it's time for you to get ready to sell your house. And I said, Lord, I don't even know that I want to sell my house. Like I recognize if we did a bunch of work, we could probably sell it and probably make a good amount of money, but then I'd have to get a house. And the hardest thing in the world right now to do is to get a house. It's kind of easy to sell one. It was really hard in 2021 and, and early beginning uh, part of 2022 to find a house to buy at any sort of a reasonable price. And I was like, Lord, I really don't really want to do that. I mean, can we not? And I just heard him say, I'm trying to bless you here, and you're fighting me. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, you know, I'm going to give in eventually, but can we just talk about this? And, um, and I said... I said, uh, you know, that's going to be a lot of work. And I was really looking for the Lord to say, no, it won't be a lot of work. I'll make it easy for you. He didn't say that. So I was like, oh, no, it really is. Dang, I'm like busy. Do you not know how busy I am right now? He's like, there, there, little boy. And so eventually I'm like, I'm, I'm processing, and I've kind of got one last like little, you know, argument in me or whatever. And I heard him say, you built my house. Now let me build yours. And it was one of the clearer things I've ever heard the Lord say to me. And what he was communicating is, you spent the last 16 years or 15 and a half, whatever it was, laying down a lot of things to build my house of prayer. I'm going to do some things now for you that you're not even going to believe, and I'm going to blow your mind. You built my house, and let me build yours. And as soon as he said that, I just started weeping. And I said, I was not aware we were having that conversation. <laughs> I, I was very much still back in Haggai 1. <laughs> like, let's go to the mountains. Let's, let's build a house. I'm a little tired, but let's just let's keep getting timber. And the Lord's saying, you've done that. Now, of course, that's not like a get out of jail free card. I can quit and go to the Bahamas. But he's like, listen, you've been doing that. Now, now, let me do some return on investment. Let me do some, some uh, Psalm 374. delight yourself in the Lord, and he will, in fact, give you desires that you don't have to go make happen for yourself. You've heard me say that a number of times in this series. I'm real big on it, and, and this is why. I knew it was true before the Lord did this particular crazy thing, but then the Lord did this particular crazy thing. In the course of a year, it's the most wild year I can imagine, in the course of a year, we got a house. We went from a 1,500-square-foot house to a 2,500-square-foot house for $20,000 difference. That's, it was the dumbest upgrade I could have imagined. We, we made so much money on the house that we sold, and then we paid so little money for the house that we bought. And so it was a $20,000 difference for 1,000 square feet. I, my, I, my mind was blown. I was like... I could never have guessed that you would do that or could do that. I'm driving down the road one day, and I'm thanking him for that. I was like, Lord, I'm so grateful for this house. I can't believe it. He said, I'm just getting started. I said, what do you, what do you mean you're just getting started? What is that even? I, I don't even think I need anything I was like, what, what else? I got a great house. It's like two weeks later, and someone approaches me, and they say, hey, We want to buy your family a brand new minivan. Go pick one out. We'll buy it. You're going to do what? Yeah, yeah, buy it. A new one? Those are expensive, and I think they just got more expensive. Yeah, buy one. It was $46,000. They just wrote the check. That minivan, we didn't pay a dime for the minivan. We couldn't. We didn't have any money to pay for a minivan. We didn't have to. The minivan came to us. A brand new minivan. When we went to go get the oil changed the first time, because it was a 2022 and it wasn't 2022 yet, they said, we can't change your oil. Your car's too new. We don't know what to do with this car. I said, because it wasn't even the year yet. We got the van, but I, I was just I was blown away. So I'm driving down the road one day and I'm thanking the Lord. I'm like, Lord, you are amazing. I can't even believe this, and in the process, oh, wait, I forgot to give you one detail. In the process of time, the, uh, 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 wow, wasn't planning to tell the story, got to go quick. Okay, Amy's family has had a uh, ranch in South Texas for forever. It's been part of the family for over 100 years, an operational sheep ranch in South Texas, Okay. And it's Amy's favorite place in the world. She loves to be there. It's her recharge place. So, you know, she goes down a couple times a year, always has, just loves it. We go down there for Thanksgiving. Well, the, uh, the, we get this horrific news that because of certain things going on, blah, 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 the family's going to sell the ranch. And so Amy is like, just like, oh, you know, she is really disheartened about this. And so I had been praying God, somehow give us land, like help us have land because I know that'll kind of make up for this fact that we don't have this ranch situation. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm praying that. And, uh, and I've been praying it for some years. So uh, the timeline here is a little bit of an overlap. And uh, in this season of time where the, we get this new minivan, we're driving it around to our new house, it's 1,000 square foot, feet bigger, the Lord just keeps saying, I told you, you built my house, I'm going to build yours, I'm just getting started. I'm driving down the road one day, and I'm thanking the Lord about all this, and and I'm I'm praising the Lord, and I go, Lord, it's unbelievable that you're doing this for me, I can't believe what you're doing, um, you're giving me too much, it's unbelievable what's happening, and uh, and I, as I don't know why I never do this, but while I'm driving down the road, all of a sudden I just decided to turn on the radio, which is a really weird thing to do when you're in the middle of praying. Okay. But I turn on the radio and as soon as I do, I'm just, you can deal with this. You do with what you want with this. I'm just telling you what happened that day. I turn on the radio and it's a nine inch Nails song, which is not wholesome. <laughs> and as soon as I turn it on. The language, and I was just thinking, Lord, you're giving me things. I don't deserve this. I can't believe this. It's unbelievable the way you're blessing my life. I turned it on, and the, the words of the song at that very second were, bow down to the one you serve. You're going to get what you deserve. Now, the context of that is something completely different, but the way that the Holy Spirit's speaking to me, he says, oh, yes, you do deserve this. You built my house. And I told you, you build my house, I'll build yours. It's sometime in this period, uh, in this uh, season, I don't remember if it was weeks later or what, we find out, oh my goodness, actually, the way that this is gonna work when the ranch is sold in South Texas is we're gonna get an early inheritance. And there's gonna be a ton of money coming our way. And so Amy and I used some of the money because pieces of this ranch have been sold, and we bought 32 acres just an hour or so from here. We bought 32 acres of land. Now, I want you to track the timeline here. The Lord said, "I'm going to you build my house, I'm going to build yours," and in less than a year, we own a new home that's 1000 square feet bigger, we have a brand new minivan, and 32 acres of land. In a year, my mind is just blown. Now, part of the reason I share that is because I want for some of you to get a vision for don't build your house, build his and watch Him roll the dice and believe in Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you effortlessly the desires of your heart. Amy wanted land. I prayed for land. We got land. We needed a mini just, Guys, I want you to know this is real. This is not a made-up thing. All right, now look. I spent too much time on stories, so we're going to have to go quick. Page five, God appoints His watchman. I want to give you the... I want to give you the thought process here related to watchmen. So this is the idea that as the watchmen of the Lord, we're those in the house of the watchful and the wise. We're in the house of prayer. We're we're not in some random prayer meeting for some random deity. We are in God's house, praying for the things that God cares about and contending for the things that are on his heart and then watching God move on our behalf. That's what the watchmen do. Now, I just want to give you this real quick. The Lord, part A, watches over his people. Look at this. Psalm 1.6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Psalm 33, from his dwelling place, he watches those who live on earth. Psalm one forty five, the Lord watches over all those who love him. Psalm, uh, uh, let's see, Ezra 5.5, uh, five, but the eye of their God was watching over the elders of the Jews. I just, I want you to see these verses that are describing the Lord is the first watchman. He's the first one. He's the primary one. He is a watchman over the things that he cares about. Then it says the priests are invited into that ministry, into that position, into that shared fellowship. You just think about it. If God never wrote a Bible verse about sharing this role of being watchman, it's a pretty profound idea that he would even share that. I mean, it's God's role. And yet he invites the priests. And then it says this, 2 Chronicles 23. A third of the priests and the Levites are going to be on duty on the Sabbath. They are to keep watch at the doors. Nehemiah 11, who keep watch at the gates. Uh, Psalm 59, verse 9. Oh, my strength, I watch for you, O God. There's, the Lord gives the commissioning of watching says he's the one that appoints the watchman. I want us to feel the fellowship of being a watchman with God in the house of prayer. That This was his idea in in a way for him to invite his people into sweet fellowship and into the noble responsibility of watching with him for the things that he cares about. This is the house of prayer. This is the role and the responsibility that we've signed up for. God appoints watchmen. I appointed watchmen over you. And I said, listen for the trumpet. Isaiah 62, I have posted watchmen on your walls. Uh, Isaiah 127, the watchmen who stand guard in vain. He's describing the the role of those that have been positioned, but they're not doing it with right heart posture. Watchmen are appointed to serve together. I want you to imagine for a second a city that has four walls, any medieval city, Four walls and one watchman, and he has been commissioned. You got to make sure you watch all four walls 24-7. You don't get any help. The city is toast. Everyone is doomed to die and very quickly. I mean, if you're a neighboring city, you just wait for that guy to go up there and you laugh at him because you come from any other direction or you wait till he falls asleep. The very concept of appointed watchman is a corporate reality. It cannot be done by one person. It must be a shared responsibility with shared shifts and shared you know, uh, anointing and shared vision. It's, a, it's the watchmen together. The concept of watchmen is actually the Lord forging a priesthood. It's that it would be done together. We would be the Lord's watchmen together. This is what was striking us in these early days. <coughs> We've been invited into the most beautiful fellowship and friendship that we would get to be the Lord's watchmen together while we build his house and we watch and pray. Unbelievable. That this is the, the invitation that we've been given. And so there's a bunch of Bible verses here we are just not going to get to. There's a bunch of, of uh, pages here that just you know, give you more of this message. I'm actually going to wrap up. So worship leader, you can come on up. Here's what I want us to understand, just kind of as a parting on this watchman thing. The idea that the Lord would invite watchmen into his council is a profoundly biblical one, and it's an eternal one. This wasn't just one time period in history. This is something that the Lord desires in every generation, that there will be watchmen serving in his house of prayer, caring for the things that he cares for, willing to make sacrifices. I mean, even all those watchmen and the shifts that they had to take in order to be able to operate Watchmen on the Wall is kind of a concept. There is a, a tremendous privilege, honor, and responsibility that has been laid uh, before us as a house of prayer. And we have this commission. This is where I'm wrapping up. It's not just for us to hear these Bible verses. It's for us to recognize God has commissioned the prayer room missions base. To be a house of prayer in Arlington because he wants one. He's commissioned us to share the responsibility, the joy, and the privilege of being watchmen in his house. To stand in his counsel. To ask, seek, and knock. To contend for the things that he contends for. To have tender hearts in the place of prayer so we can hear his voice and know what he's doing and pray for what he's praying for and care about what he's caring about. He's invited us into this. There is no version of half-hearted yes. This is a commission. The Lord has commissioned this group of people to be about this mission, to build the house of prayer even at great cost. And often, it comes at great cost. This idea of offering the Lord a sacrifice that cost us something, it's a profound one. It's where the real beauty comes out. It's where the real value comes out. It's where you get to really lean in and feel wholehearted. But it does take, like, it it takes sacrifice. There's just no way around it. You You just can't really build anything a little on the side and make any progress. You gotta lean into it. And part of what has made this house unique in a lot of ways is we have called our people from the beginning to lean into the commissioning to make the costly sacrifices to ask the lord how far would you let me go what could i give you what what could i offer you how could i build your house you say you take pleasure in your house being built How could I build your house in this season of my life with all the things I've got going on, the responsibilities, the difficulties? How could I be an active participant and lean in to building your house? This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.